Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast from Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to get into God's Word every single day, so we decided to read through the Bible chronologically and talk about it together. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story, and today is a little bit of a dark day uh, when it comes to the passages we're reading, uh, but if you choose to look at these as chances and not necessarily horrible, terrible plagues, which they actually are, um, you do get to see that God has been consistently reaching out to a group of people, uh, and now judgment comes. So, Do you think he was reaching out to Pharaoh? Uh, that is very tricky. <laughs> I, I mean, it does say he pharaoh, he pharaohed, he hardened Pharaoh's heart, but not anyone else in Egypt. And Egypt, the Egyptians respected the Israelites. I'd never caught that before, that they were like, they esteemed them I in high honor. I am very, very convinced that God is consistently making his case through this kind of like special general revelation uh, to the people, uh, both in Israel and in Egypt, about who he is so that they will have a chance to follow him. Okay, explain general revelation and explain special okay, revelation. So general revelation is what everybody has. Um, Chelsea talked about Augustine saying that like he had a a feeling of God. I think no matter who you are, you have a feeling of God. It doesn't matter what you tell your friends, you do have a feeling of God. And you do have a sense of that there must be some kind of creator or something. Sometimes we work really, really hard to bury that, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's there. So if you have kind of this feeling of a creator, this feeling of a higher being, uh, that is general revelation. Uh, it's also because you're created in the image of God, yeah, so you like, sense that. If you look up and see all the stars, exactly. you're like, oh my goodness. That's, yep, that's where I was going. That's general yep, that anytime And Paul talks about that. You see a sunset, it's like, right? wow, that's a beautiful sunset. That must have been created. You see, like, you see like your newborn son. It's like, wow, this is amazing. There must be a creator. Yeah. That is general revelation. Special revelation is any time that God specifically like steps out and shows himself. So the mm-hmm. the best way that we see that, I think, is actually just reading the Bible one step at a time. This is God's Word. Um, It is given to us by Him through authors. And so that is special revelation. People talk about having dreams. People talk about having visions. People talk about hearing God's audible voice. That is special revelation. I think that this is a combination of the two because the Egyptians had this sense of God. We know that they did because they had a lot of gods. Yeah, they weren't atheists. (laughs) Right. And so then God reveals himself through specific things happening. I think to me that's what makes it a little bit more than just general. I think you have Mm -hmm. this – this whole thing playing out with Moses and Aaron confronting yeah. Pharaoh. He I mean he was purposely we see it, he was purposely making himself known. Yes. He's like, at the end of this, you will know there is no other God except for me. Exactly. So and- that happens that happens nine times without judgment ish. Mm-hmm. I guess I should say nine times without death. Which we owe God anyway. Right. Because of sin. Everybody. Yeah. Um is this making sense? Yeah, it's making sense. Is this making me sound crazy? No. I mean um, so I think like I think a lot of times what people try to do is point to the fact that God killed the firstborn. That is very terrible. But they had nine chances. They had nine chances to repent. They had nine chances. We have we have more than nine chances. Um, but a lot of times we don't necessarily as a culture get to see God work this explicitly. Right. Um, so the Egyptians. Or if we do, we don't give them credit. Yeah. I mean, I think that's possible too. Um, but we do have here this grand narrative where God is specifically calling out. Nine different times, this is who I am, let my people go, see my power, like, I am going to be noticed. 
And and you do have people that chose to follow him, and you have people that didn't choose to follow him. And yeah. what we do know throughout the Old and New Testament is that there is judgment that comes when you choose to not follow God, mm-hmm. and that the the the, the uh, penalty for sin is death. Mm-hmm. And so, while this is a hard text, I mean these these people's sons died, yeah, so much so that there was great wailing that could be heard, yeah. Um, so that is painful, and that is hard. But it is also what we all owe God because of sin in our lives. Um, and God gives us a chance to not experience that death. Right. And, I mean, not to, like, say they did this so they deserve this. Again, going back to, like, what Old Testament people believed. But remember, Pharaoh killed, when, when Moses was born, killed all the Hebrew boys. I mean, and kind of back to this, when it says a loud wail was heard coming up from the land, it makes me think of um, when Jesus was born and Herod ordered all of the boys in, what was it? Was it all of Israel or just Jerusalem or um, Nazareth, Bethlehem, whatever? A lot of killing of boys. <laughs> I'm losing my train of thought now. Anyway, he he ordered the killing of all the boys two years old and, and younger, and there was a loud wail. It says there's a loud wail that came up from the land, and I mean, I don't know. It's just it's interesting interesting to see those parallels, which reminds me. Let's talk about Passover. You want to start? You want me to start? No, I want you to start. You have more <laughs> thoughts than I do, uh, guys. You know that thing? Like I was today years old old when I learned this whole situation. Um, it was not that long ago. Like, like I was actually teaching a converge lesson not that long ago, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, Jesus died on Passover." <laughs> um, if you just judge me, that's actually fine. I actually deserve that. I should have known that a lot sooner. Um, but uh, here you have the the beginning of this is known as Passover. This is the establishment of the Passover feast, which the Jews still observe today to this day. Um, you have this imagery uh, that is really supposed to call back to this exact moment, which I actually love. Like, I think we kind of miss that in our culture. Like, we don't necessarily do that enough. We kind of miss, like, these really cool imagery events. Um, but You mean as, like, like Gentiles we miss it because we don't celebrate Yeah, Jewish I mean, like, customs? you know, like, imagine if we and, – and there are Christians that do this. Like, there are Christians who celebrate Passover. Yeah. And you kind of keep intact, like, what God has done. And it's a natural way for you to explain to your family, to to remember with your kids, like, what God has done. Right. Well, think about, like, communion. Do we, yeah. Do we actually treat communion as a special way to remember what God has done Hopefully. I hope so. Hopefully. But we do lose some of that imagery. Yeah. Um, so this Passover feast is to commemorate this event. This event that a lamb has to be slain, his the, the blood of the lamb has to be put on your doorpost. And again, it was not just Israelites who did this. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody who looked to that, the, the, if the angel of death looked at the blood on that doorpost from that lamb that was slain, that household was saved, given salvation mm-hmm. from this event. This is all an illusion. This is how God works because God's not surprised by Jesus. Like, right. So this is how God works. This is a, a crazy illusion to what will happen when Jesus gives his life in the Passover season. There's some debate about exactly which night or which day because uh, Jesus ate the Passover feast. So it's like a little bit tricky. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so there, there is like Jesus gave his life, his blood, the perfect lamb for us. Mm-hmm. And when we look to him, we don't take on death. Because we're saved by the sacrifice of the God's perfect lamb, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's, I love that. Yeah. I love it. And I, I can't believe I just learned it. 
I, I don't know. I guess I just recognized it. Um, that happens all the time when you're reading the Bible. That's a pretty big deal. Um, it's okay. <laughs> but that's what happened. I mean, like, like that is what happened. And for us, it's it's um, for for those folks, like those those Hebrews that were saved, and and those Hebrews that commemorated this event. You know, they could have understood, like, this is a significant season for Jesus to be giving his life. Mm-hmm. A lot of people saw that and didn't recognize it. Mm. There's people today that see that and don't recognize it. Yeah, people who actually knew the law frontwards and backwards were the ones that called for his death. Yeah. Crazy. It's also crazy how, I mean, they're still observing this, that the Jewish community is still observing this today. And, yeah, I think that when we take a moment and realize just how God is weaving this story together from beginning to end, like you said, he's not surprised um, by Jesus. This was his plan all along. Um, how gracious and loving and benevolent of God to say, like, look, you can see at every single checkpoint here that Jesus was all part of this story, um, that we can look back and see that, especially because we have God's word. It's really awesome. There's a little bit of an opportunity here to talk about uh, actual Old Testament salvation. Sure, talk about it. Okay, so there, there is um, this story, I think, represents, like, folks in the Old Testament are actually saved the same way we are uh-huh. now under the New Covenant. So I know there's Explain some— Explain that, there because is, there is some, I was uh, October 2020 years old when I learned that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so kind of a false understanding in our communities of faith sometimes is that Old Testament believers were saved by sacrifices and that was it. Is that fair? Yes. Fair I, I mean, that's what I thought. It's like, okay, so uh, like like somebody in the Old Testament in the, in the temple system, they had to sacrifice a lamb and that's why they were saved. That's not actually how they were saved. They were saved by believing in faith in God's provision. So here's an actual story that represents this. These folks found physical salvation. Like their firstborn sons did not die because they sacrificed this lamb and put its blood on the door. They are actually saved by believing God. Okay, so there, there is, it's like a little bit of an example of seeing like the symbol and believing the symbol instead of the concept. So the Egyptians, they had a choice, like, should I believe this thing that God has said? And if I do, then I should sacrifice this lamb. Are you tracking? Yes. This is how I check and see if I'm on track, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so believers in the Old Testament were not saved because of sacrifices because of lambs and doves and goats and all that stuff. Right. They were actually saved because they actually believed in God's provision. That's how we're saved today. So they believed forward. We believe backwards. Yes. So they believed that a Messiah was coming who would save them. That would be their ransom. Yeah. We also believe exactly the same thing. We just know he's already come. Mm -hmm. So if you were to draw like a line, there would be a dot in the middle of the line that is Jesus. And the people at the beginning of the line believe forward. And the people at the end of the line believe backward. Right. Yes. Okay. Can I give it? Can I do a plug? Yes. Okay. The only the reason I learned this is actually not because of like the school or what I'm doing right now. It's actually because of Chris and Lindsay Lotspaw's dwell class. They talked about how the cross is this point in history, and the people before the cross were looking at the cross, and now we are looking back at the That's cross. Very good. And they are so smart, guys. If you if you are interested in learning about God's intention to love us and be in relationship with us from Genesis to Revelation, sign up for our dwell class. It happens during our small group seasons. And actually there's openings right now you could sign up for. It is incredible. It grew my faith so much. So this, Oh, we should put it, we should put that in the show notes. We'll put a link in the show notes. (laughs) Hopefully that happens. Yeah. (laughs) 
if so I remember. <laughs> this is a perfect example of God like loving people and calling to people. It's what happens in this story. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like chances, not plagues, because God is saying nine times, ten times, please follow me. Yeah. And um, people people today, I mean, we get to choose if we will or if we won't. And I'm finally now understanding what you mean by chances. There we go. I was today years old. Well, only took like three days. <laughs> Sorry, everyone else. I get it now. <laughs> this is not this is not like a joke situation. This is actually real life. <laughs> this is actually real life. This actually happened. Uh, you can actually dig into some scholarship of like historical events in Egypt that happened mm-hmm. that align with this story. Yeah. Cool. So. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we'll be back tomorrow and talk about – what are we talking about tomorrow? <laughs> People are leaving Egypt. Getting out of there. Oh, the most one of the most memorable things in the world, the parting of the Red Sea. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Exodus 10, beginning in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Return to Pharaoh and make your demands again. I have made him and his officials stubborn so I can display my miraculous signs among them. I've also done it so you can tell your children and grandchildren about how I made a mockery of the Egyptians and about the signs I displayed among them so you will know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. How long will you refuse to submit to me? Let my people go so they can worship me. If you refuse, watch out, for tomorrow I will bring a swarm of locusts on your country. They will cover the lands that you won't be able to see the ground. They will devour what little is left of your crops after the hailstorm, including all the trees growing in the fields. They will overrun your palaces and the homes of your officials and all the houses in Egypt. Never in the history of Egypt have your ancestors seen a plague like this one. And with that, Moses turned and left Pharaoh. Pharaoh's officials now came to Pharaoh and appealed to him, How long will you let this man hold us hostage? Let the men go to worship their Lord, their God. Don't you realize that Egypt lies in ruins? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. All right, he told them, go and worship the Lord, your God. But who exactly will be going with you? Moses replied, We will all go, young and old, our sons and daughters, and our flocks and herds. We must all join together in celebrating a festival to the Lord. Pharaoh retorted, The Lord will certainly need to be with you if I let you take your little ones. I can see through your evil plan. Never. Only the men may go and worship the Lord, since that is what you requested. And Pharaoh threw them out of the palace. Then the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the land of Egypt to bring on the locusts. Let them cover the land and devour every plant that survived the hailstorm. So Moses raised his staff over Egypt, and the Lord caused an east wind to blow over the land all that day and through the night. When the morning arrived, the east wind had brought the locusts. And the locusts swarmed over the whole land of Egypt, settling in dense swarms from one end of the country to the other. It was the worst locust plague in Egyptian history, and there has never been one like it. For the locusts covered the whole country and darkened the land. They devoured every plant in the fields and all the fruit on the trees that had survived the hailstorm. Not a single leaf was left on the trees and plants throughout the land of Egypt. Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron. I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you, he confessed. Forgive my sin just this once and plead with the Lord your God to take away this death from me. So Moses left Pharaoh's court and pleaded with the Lord. The Lord responded by shifting the wind and the strong west wind blew the locusts into the Red Sea. Not a single locust remained in all the land of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart again, so he refused to let the people go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Lift your hand toward heaven, and the land of Egypt will be covered in darkness so thick you can feel it. So Moses lifted his hand to the sky, and a deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three days. During all that time, the people could not see each other, and no one moved. But there was light as usual where the people of Israel lived. 
Finally, Pharaoh called for Moses, Go and worship the Lord, he said, but leave your flocks and herds here. You may even take your little ones with you. No, Moses said, You must provide us with animals for sacrifices and burnt offerings to the Lord our God. All our livestock must go with us too. Not a hoof can be left behind. We must choose our sacrifices for the Lord our God from among the animals. And we won't know how we are to worship the Lord until we get there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart once more, and he would not let them go. Get out of here, Pharaoh shouted at Moses. I'm warning you, and never come back to see me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Very well, Moses replied. I will never see your face again. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will strike Pharaoh in the land of Egypt with one more blow. After that, Pharaoh will let you leave this country. In fact, he will be so eager to get rid of you, he will force you all to leave. Tell all the Israelite men and women to ask their Egyptian neighbors for articles of silver and gold. Now the Lord had caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the people of Israel, and Moses was considered a very great man in the land of Egypt, respected by Pharaoh's officials and the Egyptian people alike. Moses had announced to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says, At midnight tonight I will pass through the heart of Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt, from the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, to the oldest son of his lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all the livestock will die. Then a loud wail will rise through the land of Egypt, a wail like no one has heard before or will ever hear again. But among The Israelites, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. All the officials of Egypt will run to me and fall to the ground before me. Please leave, they will beg. Hurry and take all your followers with you. Only then will I go. Then burning with anger, Moses left Pharaoh. Now the Lord had told Moses earlier, Pharaoh will not listen to you, but then I will do even more mighty miracles in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed these miracles in Pharaoh's presence, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites leave the country. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and a bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. 
This is a law for all time. For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast. On the first day of the festival, remove every trace of yeast from your homes. Anyone who eats bread made with yeast during the seven days of the festival will be cut off from the community of Israel. On the first day of the festival and again on the seventh day, all the people must observe an official day for holy assembly. No work of any kind may be done on these days except in preparation of food. Celebrate this festival of unleavened bread, for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation. The bread you eat must be made without yeast from the evening of the 14th day of the first month until the evening of the 21st day of that month. During those seven days, there must be no trace of yeast in your homes. Anyone who eats... Anything made with yeast during this week will be cut off from the community of Israel. These regulations apply both to the foreigners living among you and to the native-born Israelites. During those days, you must not eat anything made with yeast. Wherever you live, only eat bread made without yeast. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin, then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip them into the blood. Brush the hyssop along the top and sides of the doorframes of your houses, and no one may go out through the door until morning, for the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. Remember these instructions are permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. Then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt, and though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed to the ground and worshipped. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. And that night at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night, and a loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Get out, he ordered. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you said and be gone. Go, but bless me as you leave. All the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible, for they thought, we will all die. The Israelites took their bread dough before the yeast was added. They wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for, so they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. That night, the people of Israel left Ramses and started for Succoth. There, there are about 600,000 men, plus all the women and children. A rabble of non-Israelites went with them, along with great flocks and herds of livestock. For bread... They baked flat cakes from the dough without yeast they had brought from Egypt. It was made without yeast because the people were driven out of Egypt in such a hurry that they had no time to prepare the bread or other food. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. On this night, the Lord kept his promises to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him, and it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. 
Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, These are the instructions for the festival of Passover. No outsiders are allowed to eat the Passover meal, but any slave who has been purchased may eat it if he has been circumcised. Temporary residents and hired servants may not eat it. Each Passover lamb must be eaten in one house. Do not carry any of its meat outside and do not break any of the bones in its body. The whole community of Israel must celebrate this Passover festival. If there are foreigners living among you who want to celebrate the Lord's Passover, let all their males be circumcised. Only then may they celebrate the Passover with you like any native-born Israelite. But no uncircumcised male may ever eat the Passover meal. This instruction applies to everyone, whether a native-born Israelite or a foreigner living among you. So all the people of Israel followed all the Lord's commands to Moses and Aaron. On that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt like an army. 